Hello and welcome to a to, to the new episode of the Tigers Down Under. Another episode for another week, um, and I have Logan with me. How are you, Logan? I'm doing well, Alex. Uh, good to be here. Yeah, it's good to be here. Um, I guess another week, sort of similar to last week, where we've had had sort of mixed fortunes um, as City. We had a win in the league against Swindon, which was nice to get revenge on them. But then, unfortunately, went down to Lincoln City in the EFL Trophy, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, overall thoughts on the week that we've had? I think uh, the overall thoughts would have to be the success in the league are still taking the primary focus for us at the moment. And the, so the fact that we were able to pick up uh, crucial three points against a, a far lesser opponent, which um, we all know this season has been our Achilles heel, uh, so to speak, with uh, a lot of games dropped and, and points dropped to those, I guess, uh, you know, re- respectfully lesser opponents. And so... Uh, to pick up the result on the weekend uh, against Swindon was was a crucial one, and certainly as you watch the game, you really got the feeling that uh, that City were uh, a cut above and were given so much space, uh, particularly in that first half. And so, uh, when you see our team uh, kind of flourish in in those moments, but not being able to capitalise, particularly against those opponents, you start to worry and think, uh, you know. Is this going to be another case of uh, a missed opportunity against the team that we really need to be picking up the point? So, although it got a, a little bit nerve wracking towards the end, just because with that second goal didn't come. Uh, overall, I think it was a, a pretty polished result, given the fact that it was three points and a clean sheet. Uh, probably not in the in the manner that we would have loved it, but uh, nonetheless, it, it's still crucial. Yeah, and look, it was great to see um, Doherty off the mark pretty early in that game after just five minutes to to get to sort of settle the nerves. And um, I saw a stat during the week. I think in the entire football league, only Manchester City have taken the lead first in games more than we have. So we're clearly very um, very very adept at, at taking the lead in games, and we did again against Swindon, which was which was great to see. Um, I guess as you're saying, I mean, the frustration was just the fact that that second goal didn't come, and um, Look, it was great to see Crowley, I think, had a great game. I think he was creating a lot of chances and there was a sense that there was a goal coming for him or at least an assist coming for him and um, it didn't quite materialise. But um, lots of positive signs. I feel like we're sort of a broken record this season, though, that that there's all these chances that we're creating and we're just not able to to finish teams off. Um, and I think at this level, maybe it's not hurting us as much. I know last season um, and the season before, to an extent, we were well, all the way back to the Slutsky reign, I guess, we were dropping a lot of points through sort of late conceded goals, um, which maybe is not happening so much at this level, but it's certainly something that we've got to be mindful of if we are looking to take that step up next season, that we do need to start to, to finish those chances and really kill off games. Yeah, certainly. And I think that it probably is a, a testament to the, uh, I guess, the quality of defending in, in League One. It, it certainly doesn't compete to, uh, I guess, the heights that we're used to seeing in the Championship and the Premier League. So, as you mentioned, we do get let off uh, in, in some respects. Like even when we do score first, as you've mentioned, and, and concede a goal, you never really feel that uh, the momentum shifted too much. You always kind of uh, get that inkling that we are still odds-on favourite for another goal. And mm-hmm. I think that that is probably uh, reminiscent of, of the story of the league so far. Is is even when we do score and get scored against. Uh, 
we we still back ourselves and back the quality that we do have in the squad and perhaps uh you maybe don't get given the same uh you know opportunities in the championship when those momentum swings really seem to uh to test us and particularly uh, not just in the individual game itself but we see those uh, those momentum shifts throughout the season and you go on those really bad runs and it's really difficult to stop the rut uh whereas i think in this league uh you know with all due respect you can play one of the the top teams uh the week earlier and have a bad result and then really fancy your chances against um you know a, a far smaller opponent the week after so yeah it's it's a really interesting league and i think that it's been a, a big learning curve for for city fans and um and, and certainly the players as well um as they've adjusted it's it's been a positive uh season but at the same time, it certainly hasn't been a season without blemish, uh, which, you know, is, is an interesting uh, position to find ourselves in. Yeah, I mean, look, certainly it's it's an interesting league. And the fact that all the way down to, I'd say, <clears throat> Crew Alexander in ninth on 40 points, um, only eight points behind us. Yes, granted, they've played a couple more games than us. But I think an aspect of this season that's, that is making things interesting is the different number of games that every side's played. And I know in our sort of Facebook chat, we were talking during the, I think it was during the Swindon game, um, about the fact that I think, uh, was it Lincoln lost to Doncaster or, or, or Peterborough lost to Doncaster maybe? And we were sort of, you know, briefly, uh, Link, yeah, Lincoln lost to Doncaster and we were sort of briefly celebrating that fact. But the point was made that Doncaster are now sitting in third, uh, you know, three points behind us essentially, but with three less games played. So it's a really deceptive table at the moment that I think if, um, if everyone was on the same games played or maybe you know, a couple of teams had a game in hand, It'd be a much easier table to read and to understand where we're actually sitting in the scheme of things. But I think at the moment, yes, we're sitting on top of the table and it was great to get that win against Swindon and I think we've got to keep getting those wins. But um, look, we've got a couple of huge games coming up and, and obviously we'll talk about the uh, the Lincoln game in the league um, in a little bit. But then we've got Lincoln coming up and then I think we've also got Doncaster coming up pretty soon as well. So um, a couple of huge games for us that could really define our season. Certainly, and I think that that's the ultimately the the biggest challenge that that lay ahead for City is there's going to be a run of six pointers, and and that will ultimately define our season. But as you mentioned, Alex, with some of these teams, uh, if you look at the form guide way down in tenth, you've got Oxford United, I think, who are uh, maybe I certainly know five wins on the bounce, but I think it's actually greater than that. Um, and yeah. to see a team like that performing, you alluded to uh, a couple of podcasts ago uh, when we lost to Shrewsbury at the time. They were one of the teams that were languishing down the bottom, but then they themselves went on a run. So, I mean, whilst we somehow discredit these these dropped points against the the lesser teams, it, it doesn't seem to be just us that's uh, you know that's finding those challenges. Um, and so, ultimately, those six point games that that do lay ahead, as as you've already talked about, they are going to be hugely challenging. And in a, in a strange way, I, I do have a kind of quiet confidence about the way that City approach those those bigger games. And I do feel uh, like perhaps they are, um, whilst they're difficult challenges, I do feel far more confident the players can get up for them and, and really, um, you know, sh- show their, their, their true abilities, I guess, if you will, um, in, in those type of matches as opposed to the, the more, uh, I guess, secretive like hidden ones where the, the bottom yeah. league teams uh, you should beat and appear like they will be easy beats, but uh, just turn up with a with a very different attitude. And so, uh, it's it's going to be a v- very interesting couple of months, and uh, particularly the next four weeks with those clashes that you've already mentioned. 
Yeah, definitely. And look, I mean, Swindon in that first game of the season in October were one of those sides where, you know, they were struck by COVID. I think their manager was out with COVID. A lot of their players hadn't had a chance to train uh, and they turned us over 2-1. I think we'd gone up 1-0, but then they turned us over. So it was great to get revenge in this fixture to get that that win. Um, I, I guess just talking about the game again, um, with, in terms of the, the changes to the side, we saw Burke come back in uh, for Smallwood, I believe, who was rested, and uh, Jones got pushed up into midfield, uh, and Crowley got a start over Magenis. Um I guess maybe more relevant talking about the Lincoln game, but in general, what's your, I mean, I I guess the question sort of answers itself with Jones now out with an injury, but what's your sense of um, Burke coming back into the side and how he's performed? I think Rex Burke is a a proven championship defender uh, at the very least. And and we've seen that quality throughout. Uh, I I know that there was that controversial moment a, a couple of weeks ago where, he, he bought, uh, bought the red card late in the piece and there was a, that discussion of whether he should or shouldn't have. Um, it was a slip mistake. And I think that moments like that remind us that, um, you know, Reese Burke, I don't feel is, is Premier League quality, but I certainly do think that the gap between, um, you know, the the lesser defenders in League One and, and Reese Burke is, uh, is quite large. And we're really grateful to have a, a player of his calibre. So I have no qualms at all with, with him uh, stepping back into that spot, despite, as you mentioned, Alfie Jones had been playing fantastically well um, and had really... Um, you know, cemented his spot uh, in in some ways. Although I guess the argument could be made that Graves has been performing yeah. brilliantly as well. So, what you do with um, with with City's backline at the moment is is a really uh, great problem to have. And the fact that we can have injuries uh, in in that kind of manner and know that the next person waiting in the wings is a is a man of race Burke stature. So. Um, you know, it's a fantastic thing. We've we've even chatted with uh, Jordy Device before he left the club. Yeah, uh, the fact that he wasn't playing League One football is uh, is just perplexing, uh, given the fact that the the plaudits and uh, the caliber of play that we've seen him be in the past. So, look, City's defense ranks at the moment are incredibly impressive, and uh, down the stretch with those six point games ahead, it, it's exciting times. Yeah, and, I, and I've got to I've got to agree. I mean, in the back of my mind, I do keep thinking with these sort of stretches of games coming up, I I, I can't help but think that our depth of squad is really going to have us in good stead. And you know, even we'll talk in a second about the EFL Trophy game, but even in that game, you look at sort of the players that we were bringing on late in that game compared to Lincoln's quality, and you just have to think that considering you know maybe half a dozen of our better players sat out of that game or weren't playing in that game. Um, and we still gave Lincoln a really good good go, and and yes, they might have been resting a few players as well. But it just it just, there's just this sense that our squad runs a bit deeper than everyone else in this division. And you know, even if we do suffer a few injuries or or, or players drop out of form, I think we've got the quality and the caliber and the depth to replace those players quite adequately. Indeed, and credit has to go to the Alums as much as it does make us want to bite our tongue and, and roll over and, and really, really struggle with, uh, you know, praising them given the challenges that they have also created for the club. It's been a very successful window and it was a successful window in light of a club yeah. that, um, that was already, uh, we've talked about plenty of times on this podcast, a deep squad. And to look at the, I guess, the, the depth and the, and the quality of that depth is, is remarkable. And as you said, I'm, I'm sure that there would be other teams, particularly in that top six at the moment, looking over their shoulder and, um, you know, green with envy at the, the squad that w- we do carry into um, to this division. 
Well, absolutely. Well, well, let's we'll move on to that Lincoln game in a second. But just before we do, I'll get your um, thoughts on the three, two, one MVPs for this match, and then I'll give mine. Yeah, I, I think Doherty was probably the bright spot. Just even if it was only for the goal, but I think he's he's been a, a really bright spot lately. Again, scoring this morning. Although I know that we're we're talking about the the, the game at the weekend. Um, I thought George Honeyman, again, was just everywhere, and it seems to be the case. So I'd probably give him two. Um, a, a sneaky one, and I, I'm not sure if I can give the one point on, on one isolated moment, but in the lead-up to Doherty's goal, uh, the through ball that Callum Elder created was just um, incredible. And so uh, he seems to be that that sneaky, um, sneaky defender who seems to really be coming along and growing in his game. I think the... Uh, the statistics of his assists and uh, the role that he's played in in creating a lot of City's goals this year uh, certainly has, uh, I guess, made him put up him on the radar, not only because he's an Australian, but because of uh, the way that he's grown. And, I mean, if we were talking about players who if we don't end up getting promoted and, and we do hope that we, we are, he, he would be a player that would be difficult to hold on to. I, I suspect there would be some huge championship interest in the in the way that he's been going. So I, I would give my one point to, to Callum Elder. Yeah, no, that, I think that's a great shout. I think he's definitely one going under the radar. Um, you know, we, we sort of try and talk talk about him a little bit uh, wherever we can. But I think with the focus on the, the right-hand fullback spot uh, between Emmanuel and Coyle, um, I think people sort of lose sight of the fact that Elder's just going about his business and holding down that left-back left, left back spot quite adequately. Um, yeah, look, I think I'll agree with you on the Doherty for the three. I think that goal was really well taken, and he's certainly coming into some fantastic form for us, uh, which is absolutely, you know, we, we've seen throughout the season that he's got that in him, and I think now that he's starting to find the back of the net, um, the goals are coming with a bit more frequency. It's, it's great to see. Um I gave the two to Crowley just because I think I've been really excited to watch him play. And I think seeing him get a start and what he was able to do in the side was really good to see. Um, and I think he'll grow into that role quite a lot um, over the next few weeks and months uh, with us. And certainly I'm hoping that once once the season ends, if we go up um, potentially, um, we can make that a permanent deal because he certainly looks a fantastic player and one that is, you know, is sort of destined for for bigger and better things, and, and is the sort of player that if we can we can grab and, and nurture and develop, then then maybe he can sort of drag us along with him, uh, so, sort of like Bowen was trying to do for a while there. Um, and then I'll give the one to Honeyman, as you say. I think Honeyman again was fantastic. Um, you know, uh, I was a bit surprised that he played after the concerns about any sort of potential injuries for him. So um, it was good to see that he he got through that essentially unscathed, and then and then. Uh, didn't play, was sat out of the game this morning or sorry yesterday morning against Lincoln, um, so hopefully that makes him right for the weekend. Um, but yeah, thought he was fantastic as well. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about that game against Lincoln. It was I guess a preview for the league fixture in a week's time. Um, played on a pretty chopped up pitch. It's probably the worst conditioned pitch I've seen at the KCOM um, in my time watching City. Um, and it was an interesting one. It's a difficult one to read. Uh, you know, we're disappointed, obviously, with the loss. But, uh, you know, in terms of the 90 minutes, it was a 1-1 draw. Fantastic goal from Doherty again. Very much a solo effort um, getting through a few of the Lincoln players. Um, but a bit poor from us on their um, their opener, um, only 10 or so minutes into the game, seven minutes into the game. Um, so a bit, bit concerning at that point, but we sort of leveled our heads and... and um, went on with it a bit better than we had been um, and looked quite good for m- the majority of the game. 
yeah, after that slow start, you're right. It, it seemed that the city interesting to see how they were actually going to approach the game. I, I know that the the Papa John's uh, trophy is is one of those, uh, I guess, potential Mickey Mouse trophies in the in the sense that uh, whether we were to lift silverware or not, I don't think is is hugely relevant to to the city faithful. I think we would far prefer the league, and and so the the cup is treated as such, as you said, with the changes. Um, but yeah, the the start was a little bit concerning, if if nothing but the the, the preview for the the Lincoln fixture um, in a week. I, I guess it was that real uh, kind of grudge matches, one versus two, or uh, they've seemed to be the the, the top tier rivals for so long this season. And I think everybody has that fixture in the league circled. So uh, for for a pride perspective, but also uh, uh, you know we're playing them shortly so let's try and get one over them or, or set the tone and really start to feel them out and so after that really poor start it did create that concerning uh element of oh like what's the what's the yeah. variant read between us and them and so yeah well after we sh- uh, shook those cobwebs off and, and started to play really good football I, I do think we looked by far the better team and um you know to when as you mentioned the dockety goal was fantastic got us back into the fight and then um uh, the penalty shootout taken in potentially the worst uh, goal box I've ever seen yeah. for, for for penalty conditions. And what was it? Five penalty misses in a row between the two sides, or something like that. It was it was something ludicrous. But I, I think even the fact is, um, you know, in, in penalties we expect you expect your your players to to hit them most of the time. Every single penalty you could see was was approached with a real, uh, I guess, hesitance and um, and rightfully so because there just was it seemed really hard to to kind of set that front foot and and really generate some kind of power. So, um, yeah, look, once you once it got to that stage, I don't think uh, we were too concerned given the fact that uh, ninety minutes was up and if we went out, we went out and that, inevitably that's what happened. But the performance overall, I think, was um, was an encouraging one and certainly uh, didn't do us any um, real misfortune ahead of uh, what's going to be a huge fixture in, in a week's time. And and I guess I saw on social media afterwards, and you've sort of alluded to it a bit there, um, sort of uh, a, an atmosphere or a sense of a lot of city supporters not really caring about being out of the cup. Is, is that sort of how you see it? Or do you sort of, because I sort of tweeted out to say, from my perspective, that Look at the end of the day, if we'd got to the final, it's a bit of silverware at Wembley that we're playing for, and how good's that? And as a city supporter, there aren't there hasn't been many opportunities in City's existence really where we've been playing for silverware at Wembley. It's just really the one game um, back in 2014. But um, yes, it's sort of a it's sort of a lower tier trophy in that sense. But uh, where do, where do you sort of weigh in on that? Uh- Look, personally, I think that the COVID um, restrictions has a huge uh, part to do with it. I think that a trip to Wembley for for any city fan is a huge day out and it would have been, you know, attended in the masses and people would have been really excited about it. But I think that the the kind of importance of of a cup like that only really becomes relevant once you kind of reach these these latter stages. So, I mean, the quarterfinals was great and, and potentially reaching the semis would have been a you know, a, a, an extra tier up again as far as enthusiasm goes. And I think that the hype train really might have started to kick in. But I think that the quarterfinals is probably that stage where we bowed out and I don't think that too many people will be losing sleep. Um, and I guess uh, the, the litmus test is if you were to say, would you prefer three points in the league fixture against them or, uh, you know, the, the win to go into the semifinal, which one would you take? And and personally, I would I would much rather the three points in the league. So, um, yeah. 
That's a good chat. Just a personal opinion, and, and I'm sure that there's probably people listening that are thinking, you know, what a goose, but happy to wear that. <laughs> I, I, no, no. Look, I think it's a fair shout because I, I definitely sort of weigh in more on the side of I'd love to see us win some silverware. I think it'd be fantastic, and it, it would have been great to make the final. And I'm, I'm you know, a, a little bit put off by people who sort of sort of rubbish the trophy in that sense. But I, I also completely agree 100% that if you said to me, would you rather the three points in the league or, or to get through in the cup, I'd take the three points every day of the week. So I, I can't sit there and, and and lie and say that I just want to go through in the cup. Uh, the league is definitely a, more, a higher priority. So it's a completely fair point to make. And, and in no way, shape or form is this a, a you know a, a revolutionary brand new point. But again, you've got to remember the, the depth that we do have in our squad and, and the opportunity that these cup games do provide us to, yeah. to rotate that squad and give those players the chance um, to you know to get some minutes under their belt. And and I think that with all those factors considered, it, it weighs into just how important having these cups are. And I think that they're mm. certainly by no stretch of the imagination a waste of time. There's, there's a huge importance for them. But I just think as you as you creep along the, the fixtures and get into the latter stages, the significance of it seems to grow exponentially. Um, yeah. Whereas if we had have bowed out of the Papa John's trophy in the first or second round, I don't think anybody would even be mentioning it now. Yeah, and look, I mean, you look at the fact that Slater started the game, Emmanuel started the game, Long started the game, McLaughlin started the oh, sorry, uh, Ingram started the game and McLaughlin started the game. They're all guys that, you know, Ingram aside and I guess Emmanuel aside, um, except for in recent weeks, have not had a whole lot of uh, football this season or football starts this season um, for McLaughlin and Slater in particular. Um, so as you're saying, like it, it is hugely significant for guys like that to have these games and it's going to be interesting to see if this bowing out of the cup sort of starts to impact how we rotate during the league games, whether we give Emmanuel more games in the league or if, if a guy like him and a guy like Ingram are just stuck on the bench to start games for the time being, um, and whether Slater now might not even be making the squads on match days because we've got Flores and, and Clark and so on, he'll be in the squad as well. Is there a more unlucky right back in, in the entire league yeah. than Josh Emmanuel? Uh, I think that I would still have him in the top three conversation for our player of the season uh, thus yep. far. To see him sitting on the bench is um it's just mind-blowing and and in no way shape or form is that because i think that louis coyle's position is unwarranted it's just uh it's just a, a hugely interesting predicament that we find ourselves in um and and i just I, I do wonder what's going through josh emmanuel's head um every week going you know what what more could i do to put myself in the in the ring for for a position to in the starting lineup i'm and, uh, you know, from more reports, it, it, he's taking it um, incredibly well. But uh, it's just, it's, it's perplexing. Um, what, what a player. And uh, it's, it's really sad uh, to, that we just can't fit him in at the moment. Yeah. And well, well done to Louis Coyle. Yeah, I can't, think of, I can't think of a position in my time supporting City. I can't think of a position more hotly contested than this right back slot at the moment. Um, yeah. You know, I think back to the days where we had you know, I guess that second Premier League season under Bruce when we had so many centre-backs that all deserved to start. And I guess that was a little different because there was two centre-back spots or three centre-back spots up for grabs, whereas yep. this is just a single spot. Um, but, yeah, it, it's just remarkable that we've picked up two right-backs this summer who argue... I, when you said, you know, top three for player of the season, I thought you were going to say top three right-backs in the league. And I'd agree that both Coyle and Emmanuel are arguably in the, in the top three right-backs in the league. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it, I, I would really hazard uh, anyone to find a better case than uh, than those two because of the consistent performances. We're not just talking about one-offs. It's, it's week in, week out. Um, and that's why, you know, the, the fact that Emmanuel has lost his spot is, is an incredibly <laughs> just uh, – it's a strange situation. And I, I hold my hands up and, and I really do feel for, for Josh Emmanuel. But, um, you know, it's, such is the time. And I, I guess if, you, if you're looking for a silver lining in all this, again, with the depth of the squad, if, if there were to be injuries further up the pitch, then you would have probably no hesitation in, in looking to play either Coyle or Emmanuel further up the pitch. It's just yeah. – it, it, such is well, the way. We saw that we saw the other week Emmanuel got thrown on late in the game up forward because I think McCann is thinking exactly that that whether he uses um, Emmanuel further up the pitch is a way to get him game time and you know you never wish ill on a player but if there are injuries or illnesses or anything like that it does at least lessen the headache and it makes the makes the decisions a bit easier but um, look it, it's certainly a tough one for McCann um, at the moment because we've just got a fantastic deep squad. Um, and it's a squad that we added to. So we'll, we'll move on from that Lincoln game. We'll talk about what an exciting end to the uh, transfer window it was for us. Um, you know, sort of one out, one in. But I guess the, all the focus was on the player coming in, which was Max Clark, who was completely has completely blindsided, I think, every City supporter. I think there were a few who'd sort of jokingly tweeted out the fact that he was back in Hull. But, I mean, we have to remember back in December 2019, he was being linked with both Leicester and Liverpool. He was being linked to Liverpool as the backup for Andy Robertson. He was being monitored for a potential England call-up. And at the time, I think there was a lot of statistics websites that were putting him as perhaps the best English left-back playing football at that point. Um, I think I think uh, he hasn't played football in about 11 months. I'm not sure if that's because there's been issues with the with the with Vitesse over there. Um, or, or what's what's the case over there? But um, it's it's an interesting one because when he first was announced, I assumed oh it's a six month loan. But it looks like what's actually happened is that his contract's been mutually terminated with um, Vitesse, and he's um, signed with us on a short term six month sort of basis. And I suspect that sort of um, bit of, it's sort of like the Alfie Jones deal, I guess. It's sort of if we go up, presumably he might sign on for a longer deal and try and push us even further up. Um, and if we don't. Then he'll he'll find another club in in the Premier League or in the Championship, um, having now got a bit of game time back in his legs. But what a fantastic signing for us! Absolutely, it's a, a win win bringing a, a hometown boy back into the squad. Um, you know, can do nothing but but strengthen the I guess the feel around the place. Um, granted, I think the conversation between uh, a lot of the guys in our in our podcast uh, chat was he probably won't know anyone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Given the amount of uh, turnover that, that's happened in recent times and uh, essentially with, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, with, with Batty moving on, yeah. but it really just uh, kind of shows that the changes that have taken place in, uh, in our city in the in the last, you know, 12 months and, um, uh, well, tw- 24 months really is that the period of, of when Clark went. But uh, I think what the, the thing that scared us the most was when the club uh, sent out the, uh, the, the tweet that uh, was kind of alluding to, uh, you know, someone returning and the speculation began. And I know the first name that we were, were secretly praying for was Abel. And, um, yeah. uh, and we can all dream. But uh, I think Max Clark would probably come in as a, as a pretty close second and, um you know, the fact that he, as we mentioned, being a hometown hero, uh, to come back with particularly the plaudits and the attention that he was getting prior to his departure, um, you know, at, to a League One level, even if he has uh, been, you know, shorthanded as far as games and uh, and time on the pitch in his football in recent times, 
to have him come back, I'm sure that there will be a huge uh, element of him that just wants to see us get promoted and wants to be a part of that. And uh, it's, it's a huge boost for the squad and a great signing. Yeah, and look, we've been sort of praising Callum Elder's form, but it, it now gives him a huge competition in that left-back slot. Um, and I know, I mean, Clark sort of in that first season under Slutsky was playing a little bit through central midfield as well. So whether he's another one of those players that's sort of brought in to give us that flexibility in midfield and, and give us a few more options, whether we just see him um, sort of coming off the bench, I guess, initially um, into one of those positions will be interesting to see. But um, as we say, it's it's a fantastic talent to have back in the squad and, and will certainly um, boost the spirits around the uh, training ground as we come into the end of the season. But, you know, as you as you say, um, when, when, when Clark was signed, I was sort of casting my mind around to think of who who he might have played with in the current squad. And, and the only name that came to mind was Dan Batty. And um, I put a tweet out to that effect sort of saying that, well, you know, Batty's the only player he'll um, he'll, he'll recognise, the only player he'll be familiar with, and um, went off to sleep and woke up to the news that Dan Batty had signed with Fleetwood. And hmm. uh, I'd certainly jinx that one um, greatly. So I, I guess we, we, we sort of had a sense that this was potentially coming. Um, I think Batty only signed a one-year extension last year and wasn't getting a whole lot of game time this season either. So a potential departure was always on the cards. Um, going to Fleetwood's an interesting one. Of course, they're our, our newest big rivals with the amount of games that we seem to be playing against them. Um, and that, that'll certainly be an interesting one. Um, and I, I, I guess I said one out, one in, but we also did loan out Samuelson to a Danish side, um, Alborg BK. Um, and Milinkovic's departure was also finally announced. Did you say that... Um, um, because Vancouver had to pay us, a, they say it was a six-figure sum. I'm assuming it's like £100,000 sort of thing. But then they released him like a, a day later or 12 hours later. They, I think I think they, it was an obligation to buy him and then they've then mutually agreed to part terms with him. But, um, you know, typical sort of situation for him, I guess. Yeah, I think we've... Oh yeah, Malikovic seems to be uh, in that Marcus Madison bracket of uh, of untouchables now that seem to have that. The reputation precedes them and... Uh, uh, you know, whilst whilst you know that there's potential there and, and can be a uh, you know a, a match winner, particularly at this level on their day, uh, just seem to come with far too much trouble. And so I think too many clubs have had those similar experiences with them, and it doesn't seem to matter whether they go abroad or, or stay at home. It's just um, it always trouble seems to follow them. And um, you know, to pick up that fee is, is great news for us. Yeah. Um, and so I guess overall, I mean, we, we brought in White, Crowley, Flores and Clark, I believe. I don't think I've missed anyone. And then we've lost Adelican, Device, Samuelson all on loan, or I should say Adelican's loan finished, and then Device and Samuelson have gone out on loan. Um, and then Milinkovic and Batty out on permanence. Um, what do you make of the window? I mean, you sort of said before, I would say not just clubs in England, but clubs across Europe would be almost looking at us with envy in how, how much business we've managed to get done and how easily we've done some pretty great deals. Because um, you look even in the Premier League, there's very few permanent transfers have happened this window, quite a few loans or cheap deals. Um, it was a very difficult window to operate in and I, it looks like we've done brilliantly out of it. Yeah, I, I would probably end up giving us like an A- minus if I had to had to grade the, the window. I think it was fantastic. And as I said, the, the addition to Clark is, is fantastic. And, and Crowley at League One is is remarkable. I, th- I saw that a lot of Birmingham fans were kind of touting him as that he was going to be a, a £5 million uh, signing type thing. And so for, for us to, to coop those two players in itself is is remarkable. And we've already seen what White's done since he is... Uh, yep. 
has joined the club and you know he's he's come in with a with a huge amount of promise and has has done hasn't put a foot wrong since he arrived so I guess you can offset the Adelican uh, loan spell finishing, given the fact that White's come in and, and given us that, that extra attacking. Just the only reason that I wouldn't say it's the perfect window is because I still believe that that Geordie Device is or was our best centre-back when he's, he's fit and and playing well. Um, and so to see him uh, depart is is somewhat saddening. However, we've already talked about the the depth that City have in their, in their defensive ranks at the moment. And so, I mean... Whilst it's it's sad to to see Geordie go, um, given the fact he was a kind of a, a long serving <laughs> steward to the club in, in in today's day and age with the amount of games he played, um, we are we are more we are more than uh, than covered in in that position. So uh, it, it's been a great window, and I've you know I, I'm full of praise for for what the what the Arabs have done, and I think it's a really really smart and and studious uh, bit of business. Yeah, and look, I think I'd be, I think like you, I'd be more concerned with the Defy's departure if Greaves wasn't playing as well as he is. I think it's shown that we do have that those good stocks down back as well. So, um, look, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the summer, whether he does make that permanent move to QPR or, or what happens with that. Whether you know, if we were to go up and whether we try to hold on to him and give him another go next season, um, not sure. It could depend on. I think Burke's out of contract at the end of this season. It could depend on on what happens with him, but. Um, I, I saw the tweet recently about the the the, um, the fees for Burke and Scott combined was something like three and a half four million pounds, and the amount that we spent on um, Emmanuel, uh, I can't remember who the players were now. It was like Emmanuel Jones and White. No, not White. Uh, somebody else. Uh, but it was like seven hundred thousand pounds sort of thing. And like the 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 benefit that we've got from playing these. <clears throat> Or finding these cheaper signings, um, in in uh, you get the sense. I mean, when Lee Dynborough came in from I think Norwich or Burnley or somewhere, he was met with a lot of skepticism because he didn't have a great record um, at those previous clubs with his signings. And at least initially, it seemed like that was sort of following on with City. But in the last 12, 18 months, there's been certainly a lot more hits than misses in terms of the players that we signed, and it really looks like we've started to turn a corner in our recruitment policy. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It, it reminds me in in some ways, and this some people may think this is a is a huge stretch. But when Steve Bruce came to the club and and got that kind of that Irish English contingent of players and um, really bought that that core with with Quinn and Myla uh, Brady, and you would you could just see the the kind of the attitude change in the, in the way that uh, I guess City had a, a far more guile about them and and were more resolved uh, like more resolute sorry in their in their defence and midfield and they were just had that real working working man kind of battle a, amongst themselves again and yeah. uh, I guess that with the type of signings that come in and I, I don't know if that's just you know simultaneous because it's it's League One and that's kind of the type of player that you're looking for is is that that battle and you see it week in week out with the the fixtures and the results that nothing's a given um, in this tier of football, but the the type of signings, whilst they've come with a you know a far different um, wage bill, they really have got that that real working horse kind of approach again, and it's really nice to see. I mean, we, we you cast your mind and, and look at the the backline. I mean, you've got Max Clark, you've got Alfie Jones, you've got Jacob Greaves. There's some there's some hometown boys back in the squad, and I Louis think Coyle the, as well, yeah, Louis Coyle to be to be playing in in this tier. And to be having, you know, such an influence of, of guys that, that genuinely care about the club. Keen Lewis Potter, I'm not even mentioning that. Um, they, these are people who genuinely care about the city 
and um, you know want, want what's best for the club. And to to add players like George Honeyman, who you know offer that working class, even Magennis up up the front, like they just fight and fight, and and that really is a testament. And I think you know in some ways speaks into the character of 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 Hull as a place, like city as as a city is 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 a real you know galvanized. Yeah working class group and and they care about each other and to see that that is translating to the the type of football is is great so uh, it's it's really exciting for us when we we talk about the turnover of players that we've seen there in the last couple of years and particularly in the last 12 months with relegation to see that the rebuild doesn't just seem like a um, you know a band-aid fix it seems like there is a little bit of of direction and a bit of longevity that is kind of um, being attached to this and all of a sudden we've got a team that we can get behind again. We've got a playing group that we like watching these players play again. And you can tell that there is a, a different feeling um, watching them week in, week out than perhaps what we felt um, towards the back end of the championship season. Yeah, definitely. And it, and it feels like there's a bit more of an identity to the side again. And you look at when Bowen and uh, Grzycki left last season and we brought in guys like Madison um, and uh, there was somebody else as well. But those sorts of... Um, sort of more temporary signings, flashy signings that just didn't really have much interest in playing for City. And, um, you know, you look at Madison now, I think he signed for Bolton on deadline day. So he's sort of bottom half of League Two. And he joined us in the championship thinking that he was too good for, for at that point, a re- relatively mid-table championship club. Um, so it kind of just shows the the attitude that's needed to succeed. And you look at guys like Doherty and... Yeah. Um, and Crowley, as you say, who who were linked to championship clubs and took that step to come play for us. Max Clark coming back and playing for us when he was linked to, you know, the champions of England not so long ago. And um, you see these guys sort of playing because they want to be playing and want to be getting the minutes in the legs and, and taking that step up with us. And that's the attitude that you need in your squad. And as you you sort of talk about having those homegrown, homegrown players is, is the perfect way to go because you know those guys will be fighting for the team. And you just look at the impact. We haven't even talked about the fact that perhaps the biggest signing of the January window was getting KLP to sign a new contract. And him coming back into the side has been a breath of fresh air and really revitalised the side as well. And, um, you know, when you've got those sort of hull lads playing in the side, um, you know that they're going to fight until the end and they're not going to just sort of drop their heads and and give up, um, you know, in the tail end of games. Absolutely. And I think it kind of this might refresh your memory as to when, when City did go down, uh, David Myler, I think it was, that tweeted out and was just in kind of utter disgust mm. for, for the performance mm-hmm. and just the way that it, it seemed like, you know, people had given up. I know there's people um, in, in like City city fans, like Craig Fagan was another one. There was mm. few, huge people in and huge identities around City who were, you know, uh, disgusted with the with the manner that we did go down, and so uh, it undid all just, of that hard work, you know. That's right, and and it was something that was built over a period of time, and so to yeah. see this group really um, not just because of the results. I think that um, uh, you know it can be easy to say because the team's winning, we you know we we see them in a different light, but it's it's not about the results; it's about the performance, and I think that week in week out, we're able to see that and. Um, you know, and and the fans are hugely encouraged by it. Despite still having those those blips on the radars, there's still the games that are hugely frustrating. And um, you know, from a fan's perspective, know that that City are capable of much better. But on the whole, it's it's a club we can be proud of, and, and I think that's the that's the exciting thing for 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 what is ahead. 
Yeah, absolutely. And just before we move on then and talk about the coming games this week, um, two big bits of news or two big sort of announcements. First of all, really uh, thank you to everyone. Um, I, I sort of noticed that we're getting close to 100 subscribers on our YouTube channel and people have ticked us over. So we're over the 100 subscribers uh, mark on YouTube, which is fantastic. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, you know, hit the hit the like button and also hit the bell. If you hit the bell uh, next to the subscribe button, it'll actually give you notifications when we go live. It means that we'll be able to get more people watching live and, and commenting and giving us feedback, which is always great. Always appreciate people watching along live and uh, dropping comments in is always a bit of fun as well. Um, and the second bit of news is uh, we, we, just by chance, I was looking at um, our old videos the other day and noticed that it's actually coming up to the five-year anniversary of the podcast. So 13th of February, five years ago, was our first episode uh, as we were sort of assessing our chances of promotion to the Premier League under Steve Bruce for the second time. It uh, doesn't definitely doesn't feel five years ago that that was taking place. Um, but that means that next week it'll be a special five-year anniversary episode. So it'll be Logan and myself and and perhaps, if we're lucky, a special guest as well uh, will be making an appearance um, if, if all goes to plan. Um, so hopefully people can tune in for that one as well. That should be an exciting episode. Yeah, look forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, so let's look ahead now. Uh, we've, we've got two games between now and then, um, the first of which is against Burden Albion um, for a second time this season, I believe, um, playing under Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank for the second time in their existence. Um, he has a good previous record with them. He was the one to get them out of League Two for the first time and into League One. Um, so he'll be hoping to sort of repeat that and get them up to the championship, I guess, in the next year or so, if he can do so. Um We've only played them three times, I think, or five times in our history, um, and we've got a victory over them on every occasion. So certainly a side that we like to play. I remember there was a game where, um, well, I guess obviously the most famous of the clashes with Burton would be the game where Jackson Irvine scored the uh, fantastic goal and then got sent off and then managed to get signed by us a few weeks later. So um, there was that one, and I think the other game that season was like a 5 nil away victory where Grzycki might have gone a bit crazy um, with a few goals in that one. But, um, you know, not in great form themselves. They've only got the one win in five. Um, and I guess sort of like Swindon, it's a game that we'd be looking at as, as a real chance to uh, kind of keep the chases at bay and, and stay on top of the league. You would hope so, given the, the where they sit on the, the table. But if you look at their previous fixtures, I know there's been a couple of blowouts. I know that uh, Lincoln destroyed them in the end of December. I think it was 5-0 or 5-1. Um, I think they also maybe got uh, beaten well by Oxford. Uh, but apart from that, there's been some really close games. I think they've they've had a few one nils and um, really don't look too far off the pace. So I think that they're, uh, they're, they're standing in the league could be a little bit deceptive. And obviously, you know, this side of Christmas and given the fact that they sit where they sit, um, we know what it's like to be in a relegation fight and every single game is uh, is critical. And so uh, let's let's make sure that this one is approached with um with a high degree of caution because it, it does concern me. Yeah, yeah. Look, it'll be an interesting one. Um, I guess the other interesting element is the fact that we do have a couple of injuries to the side. Um, I think uh, Jones is probably still out. I think uh, McCann said he was out for a ten day period, um, and White looks like he's out for a couple of weeks as well. I think they said two to four weeks, which is um, a significant stint at this stage of the season. He's going to miss a couple of games there with that one, which is unfortunate. Um, we sort of talked before about Honeyman uh, not playing in the trophy game yesterday morning. Hopefully, that means that he's. You know, I was sort of looking at from the positive element that perhaps that means that he'll be 
fresh and ready to go on the weekend. Uh, hopefully it doesn't mean that the injury is worse than we thought. Um, I don't think I haven't really heard any updates on that side of it, but I guess in, in terms of changes to the side in that case, um, Burke playing at centre back alongside Greaves, maybe if Honeyman's ready, fresh to go, he can go into midfield. Um, I guess the interesting element we didn't really touch on with the Lincoln game is um, Richie Smallwood's form. And and I think he, he was, he was probably almost the worst performer against Lincoln, just in terms of, um, you know, a lot of his passes were quite loose. Um, missed the first penalty as well, though, as we said, it's a bit hard to fault the uh, anything in the penalty shootout. Um, I, I guess the reason I, I raise that is, would you consider bringing either a Slater into the game or a Flores into the game or or, or sort of shift that, that middle three round and put Crowley into that central three? Yeah, I think that probably is the seems to be the most logical change if one is to take place. I, I think Flores starting could be could be probably a, a stretch just given the fact that um, walking into a team where he hasn't played well any football um, for him mm. to to fly in and, and start would would be somewhat surprising. I, I, personally, I think I would still stick with Smallwood um, and you know give him the kind of the the better best part of the first half and and maybe make a change around the 60th minute depending on how things are looking and obviously whatever happens in the in the match script. But I would probably still be starting Smallwood. But I think that the as you mentioned that that case for for Crowley coming in uh, is certainly a strong one and and I wouldn't be too surprised to see it actually happen. Mm, mm. I think I think a front three. I mean, look, if if Crowley's not going to come into that middle three, I, he sort of started the last game in that front three with um, KLP and I think it was Wilkes. Um, which, look, I mean, I think that works. I think I think that was probably more out of the fact that we really wanted to give Crowley a go, um, and that was sort of the open position for him with White out injured. But I do, I feel like. I mean, it's interesting that we sort of compare him to to Honeyman's position, and and I think that that's probably the closest to his his natural position. But he almost plays a bit like Doherty as well in that sort of box to box style um, and, and that creative position. So um, it, it's interesting to see how he'd fit in and and whether we'd get more out of him in that sort of central position rather than up forward. But I think you're right. I think if if we're going to stick with Smallwood, Honeyman, and Doherty as that mid midfield three, then he'll probably find himself. Um, forward on the on the left hand side and in which case it's really just the one change from the last game with um jones getting injured i guess it would just mean smallwood comes back into the side yeah and i think that if you're richie smallwood you're probably very aware of the fact that your form probably hasn't been the greatest and again when we talk about the depth of the squad the fact that we do have options and there are people kind of knocking on the door that you know we can tinker with the formation and despite the fact that he is the club captain he's he's not necessarily safe and Mm. you know that that can be a really, really positive thing for for sparking a um, you know a, a, a form increase in Richie, given the fact that he is a club captain and and you know he's proven that not just at City but also when he was at Rochdale. So he's a competitor, and I, I would really love to see a strong performance if he was given the start, um, you know, just for for playing him, himself back into the team, so to speak, despite not actually losing his spot. Yeah, no, most definitely. Um, and then how do you see the um, score for this one panning out? Look, as I mentioned, it is a game that concerns me, but I, I don't know if I've just got a, a, a overarching uh, case of post-traumatic stress from uh, from earlier on in the season where we we dropped some of those those big games. Um, I think City will get the the right result. I do think we'll get three points, and and I would love to to see the a blowout score similar to what Lincoln did to them. But I suspect this one's going to be a little bit closer, and um, you know, uh, I'm going to say a, a sneaky 
similar performance to the Swindon Town. I think it'll probably be one nil. Um, but but my fingers are crossed. I think it could just as easily be a, a bit of a blowout. Um, but I think my pe- my pessimistic side is is keeping it close. Yeah, I think it's a lot's going to depend on how Crowley sort of starts to click with his teammates. I think once he does, I think you know you'll see KLP, Wilkes, Magennis, etc., starting to score a whole lot more goals because I think um, Crowley offers that real creative spark. I think Doherty's in some great goal scoring form as well. Honeyman's even pop, uh, chipping in with a couple. He got the goal against Portsmouth as well. So lots of goal scoring options in the side, and you know on our day, as you say, we can sort of blow teams off the park and. Uh, Hopefully that's going to be the case against Burden, but I would just as happily accept a 1-0 scrappy win to get those three points on the board. Because um, I guess the more important game or, or the more significant game is is the following game against Lincoln midweek. Um, they're coming back to the KCOM, so hopefully the grass has been grown on the pitch and uh, there's a bit of, bit of turf there. Because, um, uh, look, I guess the most interesting element out of that trophy game was you know, we, we like to play a quick game on the counter-attack and, and I guess so do Lincoln. And uh, the fact that it was so muddy just meant that neither side could really play their natural game. So, look, it's going to be an interesting one. I, I, I suspect the pitch will still not be in great shape. Um, but presumably a number of changes to our side, presumably a few changes to their side as well from that trophy game, um, makes it a bit of a different different game in complexion. Um mm-hmm. But but how do you see, you know, now that we've got our first glimpse of Lincoln this season, how do you see this one panning out for us? It's always difficult to, to pick two games ahead given the, the game script. We want to see what happens in the in the game against Burton uh, first, obviously. But, look, if, if we're drawing on the cup performance, I'm, I'm really confident. I, I think I've, I've said it to you before, but I, I'm more scared of Doncaster than, I'm, than I am of Lincoln. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that's just a, a personal opinion, but... I, I believe that outside of us, I think that the Doncaster and Portsmouth are the two best squads in the league um, from what I've seen, despite Portsmouth's uh, failing form of late. But I, I really do uh, see the matchup with Lincoln as a positive one for us. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see us win that maybe 2-0, which seems almost contradictory given the fact that I like our chances against Lincoln more than Burton, but um, but but I really do. Yeah, look, and I, I, I can see why you would think that, considering the fact that, as you say, we, we do sort of turn up for those bigger games um, more so than necessarily we do for the smaller games. And I think outside of that first game to Portsmouth and that game against Peterborough early in the season, I don't think we've really looked out of place against those um, bigger teams. And and even that, Ports- that Peterborough game early in the season, uh, it was a very close one where we'd taken the lead. And, and that Portsmouth game, we conceded the two own goals. So, um Look, I, I, I'm probably inclined to agree. I, I think that that cup game really gives me confidence in our ability to, to take it to them. I think it's great that guys like Honeymoon and Wilkes have had that rest um, and will be fresh for these these couple of games. And I think it's a really vital chance to get six points on the board. And, of course, if we're able to beat Lincoln, I think that takes away their, their kind of game-in-hand advantage over us because at the moment we're a game ahead of them but level on points. Um so if we if we were to win this one, we'd then go three points ahead of them with them having a game in hand. So that would mean that you know even if they were to win that game, we'd be we'd be ahead of them in goal difference. So um, from that point of view, it's a really vital game to win. And and I guess similarly in a few weeks when we play Doncaster, it'll be a similar sort of vibe. But look, I think it's a it's a big game, and I think I'm I'm inclined to agree. I think we can win that one and and come away with the three points. Yeah. And, and this weekend, the, don't forget, they're also, I think they're away to, to Gillingham as well. So they have a, a somewhat similar fixture to us in, in fighting against one of those right. uh, lower languishing teams. So 
I mean, there's nothing to say that, that they couldn't drop points there as well. And so uh, it's, it's a huge yeah. seven-day period. It really is uh, to, to see. Uh, I think we will begin to start to see that top six really, really take shape in the in the next couple of weeks. And, um, you know, the running, I, I do think whoever does win that fixture between Lincoln and, and us next week um, will send a real clear message to to the rest of the people in the or the rest of the teams in that in that top six group because, um, you know, even though it's still a long way to go, it, 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 there is, uh, you know, and so much football to be played, there is something to be said for being able to, you know, wipe away your, your rivals in in that period where it is kind of, you know, that cutthroat, everything seems to change so quickly and games in hand and COVID teams catching up. And, I mean, Doncaster sit below us, but they they've themselves have two games in hand. If they were to win both of those, they would be ahead of Lincoln and us. So yeah. it's a, it's such a, a mishmash period that we find ourselves in. And wherever you can get those those big victories, I think it, it speaks volumes. Yeah, and look, I mean, talking about Gillingham, they're undefeated in their last four games. They've got wins against Crew and, and Accrick and Stanley and that. So um, definitely not in, in poor form themselves. So every chance that they take points off Lincoln in that game, um, which would be really important for us as well. It, you know, as you say, there's still a lot of football to be played, but we can't help start to look at results elsewhere and start to hope that the things can kind of go our ways and, and, and sort of help us get that get that bit of breathing room at the top of the table because... You know, you, you spend so long at the summit of the table or around the, the top sort of promotion places, um, you, you sort of start to start to sort of look ahead to the end of the season and, and, and count down the games until until we can sort of tick off promotion in that sense. But as you say, it's still a lot to go. Um, and that game against Lincoln will go a long way to, to as you say, sort of uh, sending out that message to the other sides about our intentions for the season and, and knocking off another rival as we did with Portsmouth the other week. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it seems so long ago, but at the beginning of December, we were the team at the top with games in hand and we kind of squandered our, our chances to uh, to create some space. So uh, it seems to just be a, a bit of a leapfrog race at the moment and uh, there's some really exciting fixtures coming up in League One. And uh, absolutely, Burden won't know what hit them. So it's going to be a fantastic game on the weekend. Hopefully we can uh, get the three points against Burden and follow that up with another three points against Lincoln a couple of days later. But uh, looking forward to our sort of anniversary special episode next week after that Lincoln game. Hopefully we'll have um, six points worth of games to talk about um, um, after after this seven-day period. So I'm um, looking forward to that one with you, Logan. Yeah, it should be good. It'll be uh, nice to reminisce on the the highs and lows of uh, this roller coaster of the last five years. So, lots to celebrate and and lots to bemoan. It's been some uh, some lonely nights uh, back here or early mornings, we should say. And um, it's always good to to come on and, and chat football. And sometimes it's therapeutic, and we we probably need it with the 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 sanity that City seem to to steal from us as well as give us. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, look. Until then, uh, looking forward to that one. And, and thank you for joining me for this episode. My pleasure. It was a good to chat. Lots, lots going on. Lots going on. Absolutely. And look, thank you everyone for tuning in for this episode. Until next time, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group, or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. There's no turning back, cause you're amber and black till you die.